Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Real Science Exchange, the podcast where leading scientists and industry professionals meet over a few drinks to discuss the latest ideas and trends in animal nutrition. Tonight, we're coming to you from the 55th World Dairy Expo, and it's an electric uh, atmosphere here. We have the uh, FFA day here, so we've got a lot of FFA kids going up and down the aisles. Um, we've been doing these podcasts now for about two years. And the thing I like most about these is is, is meeting some really cool people. And uh, we've got a star-studded cast uh, uh, today that we're going to be uh, talking to. First, we've got Joey Arroso. Uh, Joey's from Pixley, California. Uh, we've also got Kelly Reynolds from uh, Raycrest Farms in Corfu, New York. And we've got Jeff King from King's Ransom Farm in Schuylerville. Tonight's podcast stories are brought to you by Reassure Precision Release Choline. Reassure is the most researched encapsulated choline on the market today, consistently delivering results to your transition cows of higher peak milk, reduced metabolic disorders, and even in utero benefits to her calf leading to growth and health improvements. Visit balchem.com to learn more. Jeff, we're going to start with you. Uh, I heard you had a great day yesterday in the show ring. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we did. We, uh, we've been showing here at World Dairy Expo for uh, a number of years now. And uh, my nephew was fortunate enough, had a young junior three-year-old in the Holstein Junior Show. Uh, she won her class and also ended up uh, reserve intermediate champion. So it was a big day for all of us at King's Ransom and everybody that we're working with back in the barn. So yeah, a lot of smiles all around. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. understand you know everybody here, but for those that don't know you, just give us a real brief background on who uh, Jeff King is and your farm. Okay. Uh, King's Ransom Farm, we're in the eastern part of New York State, uh, near Saratoga Springs. We milk about 1,000 registered Holsteins, uh, crop about 3,000 acres to feed those animals. Um, three times a day, uh, all registered Holsteins. Uh, we do a lot of work with, our, uh, with the registered side of the business and have a significant marketing program. We produce embryos and bulls for AI and sell a lot of females as well. Um, also in our business, we have uh, uh, we bottle some milk. We have a small processing plant on the farm, so we uh, do a little bit of milk bottling. We've got an ice cream parlor and uh, kind of a growing little area of our business. I farm there with my brother. Uh, he and I are partners. Um, both of our wives are involved in the business, my wife Becky and his wife Pandora, and also our kids. The oldest one has just returned from, from college, and he's now working with us, and a few younger ones along the way. So we're, uh, we're excited, hopefully, to have some family involvement as well. Excellent. Looking forward to our conversation this afternoon. Kelly, tell us a little bit about yourself. I understand you're originally from Wisconsin, so you're back home, but you live in New York as well. So tell us a little bit about the future at uh, Rencrest. Yes, I grew up in Wisconsin and met my husband, Tyler, at Cornell University. We are the third generation on our farm. We farm along with his parents, John and Shelley, and his siblings, Mackenzie and Andy. We milk 1,400 registered Holsteins and crop about 2,700 acres. And the show side of the business is the fun side for us. We always joke, some people have a boat, we have show cows. Um, and we're here at the show uh, with 15 head from our farm. So boats cost a lot of money. How about uh, show cattle? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not cheap to come here, but um, we're excited to be here. We actually had the junior champion jersey last night was nice. from our farm. We purchased her as an embryo and sold her this spring. So 
Uh, we enjoy a little bit of marketing, but we also enjoy just uh, bringing a group from our farm and seeing how they stack up. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for joining us today. Joey, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, so actually I am fourth generation. Uh, my great-grandfather came to the uh, United States in 1912. Uh, my grandfather started a dairy in the same area in uh, southern San Joaquin Valley, uh, which is about two and a half mile, two and a half hours north of L.A. And uh, kind of a real fertile farming area there. Uh, they settled uh, kind of uh, next to the Tulare Lake bottom there. And, uh, you know, at one time the Tulare Lake was uh, the largest lake west of the Mississippi. And so it was probably a great place for them to, to settle and pasture their cows. And uh, they actually shipped their milk to uh, a creamery there that was founded in 1909 uh, by a bunch of farmers called Dairyman's Cooperative Creamery. And uh, we actually merged and became merged with Land O'Lakes in 1998. And we currently ship to Land O'Lakes. Um, I have uh, my mo uh, my mom and dad are partners with my wife and I. They gave really my mom and dad gave me the opportunity to uh, to they kept the business going. My grandfather died at a young age uh, in uh, 1963. My dad was 20 years old and they took the business over. And so uh, really they I really learned uh, how many a lot cows of they have then. They had about 200 cows and they took the business over. And uh, so you know I really from a young age I learned really good work ethic from watching my mom and dad work out there and uh and then i had you know i guess one of the smartest things i did in my life was in 1980 i married a great woman who had uh similar passion um you know you you can share you have a dream uh but dreams aren't any fun unless you can share them with people and they have that same dream with you and i was blessed to have a wife who had that dream with me and so we've We've been farming in Pixley there. We, uh, we, uh, we have 3,000 registered Holsteins, uh, 200 registered jerseys, and uh, we farm about 1,800 acres. And uh, yeah, so it's been a, we have four generations on the farm, something that I'm really proud of. My dad's still there, myself, my son, who's about 35, and, uh, and then a grandson who's 12, and then he's got three kids. My daughter's got two kids. So five grandkids, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a great opportunity to grow up with your family and spend time on the farm together. Yeah, and work together. You know, one of the things I want to talk to you, uh, folks about is kind of your business philosophies. Uh, Joey, I don't know if you want to start, but you know, tell us a bit about. You kind of already told us why you do it, but uh, what what is kind of your philosophy that you bring to work with you every day? Well, I think um, you know. And it came up the other night at the Dairy Shrine uh, Awards thing. Um, in life, you got to have passion for whatever you're going to do, and so I think you got to bring that passion with you to your farm, and you got to have people to have that same passion to help you take care of your animals. Uh, you can't run run a farm by yourself. Uh, we've all had to get gotten bigger and uh, to be more efficient and to afford all the new technology that's coming uh, about every day, and so. Uh, you know, it requires really good people that have a love for farming, a love for the cows, and uh, and kind of a love for family because really, you know, a farm is kind of like a big family. Your employees have families that, you know, live there too. And, and so it, it, that's really what it takes. And then I think you got to be, uh, you have to have a dream. You, you got to always be looking forward. Uh, try not to look back. It doesn't do you any good and just look to the future. And, and I think probably one of the most difficult things is deciding on which technologies that 
you can afford and which ones that will make your business better going forward. Mm, very well said. Kelly, you mentioned that you listened to last year's uh, podcast in preparation. And uh, if you'll remember, passion came up as well in that podcast. Why don't you talk a little bit about the passion you guys bring to your dairy and talk a little bit about the culture that you guys are creating there. Yeah, I um, listening to Joey, so much of that story resonates with our family. Um, we're definitely cow people at our farm. I always joke that um, I get roped into things like this podcast tours because my um, family are cow people and not people people. <laughs> and so um, I'm, I like doing outreach and things like that. And um, But that is, my family loves farming. Um, we love the cows. And I think as we've gotten bigger, um, for instance, my husband, he would love to be in the barn every day, but he's taking care of the people on our farm, which is just as important as my sister-in-law who takes care of the cattle every day. Um, and, and as we've grown and as all of us have gotten more mature, our passions have maybe shifted on the farm. We, we all love showing cattle, but my, um, you know, my husband is just as passionate about the team and putting up good feed and Mackenzie cares about what's happening on, on the farm almost to a fault. So that, um, that care that we, that our family brings every day, we hope that trickles down to our team and, and how they're showing up every day. So uh, really, I would say we try to lead by example as much as we can. And that's, that's a big part of our culture is maybe not, um, not trying to um, force people into what they love, but if we love what we're doing, hopefully the people that are working for us love what they're doing as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Jeff, uh, Kelly mentioned that uh, she's cow people, right? I have a feeling we're all cow people around the, the table here, right? Uh, as evidenced by the fact that you brought cattle to this, uh, this conference. Um, how hard is it as, as your dairies grow um, to step a little bit back from being a, a, a cow person and being more of a CEO of your operation. How have you managed that? Well, I'm not sure I've managed it well from day to day, <laughs> but uh, we certainly rely on great people in our business. Uh, between, our, between our farm and our retail business, we've got about 60 people on the payroll now, and I never, ever would have envisioned that even five, six years ago. So uh, things have gone in a direction that maybe we weren't prepared for, uh, but it's uh, really enforced the uh, the importance of the people on our team, and it's made us realize how incredible some of those folks are. We're so fortunate to have talented people in every aspect of our business, and that just makes the whole thing roll better. Um, my brother and I, who run the business and we own the business, we're both away this whole week. And uh, when we talk about being cattle people, everybody back home knows um, that we're engaged in this in this business and the cattle business, and we're going to be away from time to time. And they're making things hum probably better with us away than when we're there. Uh, but they're also engaged in in what we do, and whether it's uh, having a little success in the show ring or or things uh, that we might sell in a sale, they're very engaged and they want to be included. They love to hear about those successes and it's it's part of everyone's success in the team. So it's, uh, it's a challenge, but uh, keeping everybody involved and, and uh, everybody sharing in that success is a big part. Yeah, you know, I've heard all three of you guys talk about the importance of team and people. 
But I've got to believe that uh, they're also one of the challenges, right, on the dairy, and that's uh, getting the right people, getting enough people. Can you, can you guys talk a little bit about that, and, and, and how have you solved some of those problems? Well, I think, um, you know, especially through COVID, it was, it was really difficult. Um, and, and we, you know, I'm from probably, I'm going to say the most regulated state in California with, with California. Joe, New York's catching up quick. <laughs> <I know>. we're, <laughs> yes. we, we're nipping at your heels. <laughs> I was going to say when we all sat down here that we had that in common. We are all uh, in high regulated states where, um, you know, we're, we're probably the highest minimum wage. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we have a 40-hour work week for, uh, you know, we have overtime over 40. And one of the things that I think has really gotten difficult probably in the last year, year and a half, is that, you know, as they develop these rules for businesses, they're thinking about factories and things that they can shut the key off and, you know, you can let everything shut down for an hour or 15 minutes. But unfortunately on a farm, we know that um, farms run 24 hours a day. And so uh, that's probably been one of our biggest challenges, not so much finding people, but just continuing to deal with the new regulations and also creating that balance where you're able to take care of your animals and still have, you know, the, you know, live within the proper uh, regulations that are required now of us in California. Uh, I will say something that I think is pretty monumental for the dairy industry in the United States is that if you think about the supply chain disruptions that happened everywhere, the cows never stopped giving milk in this country. The production never stopped coming. And so I, I, I that's a tribute to every dairy farmer across our country and the people that work there and what they did in a very challenging time. And I think it's something that I'm proud of and I know that all my dairy farmer friends are too. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, the COVID and some of the challenges that we went through. Uh, we're really not past that yet, right? We still have supply chain issues. We still have uh, cost of uh, commodities are still high. Um, how, how are you guys dealing with that? And, and What's the future look like? Uh, is that going to level out anytime soon? I, we're, we're, it's a, still a challenge uh, for us at home, uh, uh, sourcing workers. Uh, we've, we've actually done pretty well on the farm. It's been a little more challenging in the retail business. We, we hire some truck drivers. And of course, finding people in the truck driving business is very difficult. Um, but uh, Luckily, people on our team have picked up on that and they've made it through. Uh, whenever we're short in one area, someone has been willing to jump in, work as part of the team, maybe do something they're not accustomed to doing, and we've gotten it done. And that's, uh, we've been, I think it's fortunate and it goes to the character of the people that are, that work for us. Um, we're really, really lucky to that end. I think it's going to continue to be a challenge for quite a while. Uh, we will likely probably continue to look at more technology, more uh things that can maybe replace some people which is counter to uh some of what the folks in the labor movement want but it's reality yeah we're super fortunate we have a great team but talking about replacing people uh we're building a new barn and we're talking about 
we're trying to make everything a half person job. You know, how when we're building something or making future plans, how can we cut this into something that one person can do for five hours versus two people or one person during their 10 hour day? And um, yeah, just always working on those efficiencies and things like that. And the supply chain on the supply chain side of things with this new barn, you know, uh, you priced out something from four years ago and you had this budget in mind and everything has doubled or tripled. And um, I think that part of our business, it, it, it affects everyone in every business, um, but we're, we're price takers. And I think just navigating through all of that um, will always be a challenge. Yeah. But. Certainly price takers when it comes to milk, but you guys are in the business of selling much more than just milk, right? So we've got genetics, you're in the meat business, uh, you sell manure indirectly. So I, I kind of like to talk a little about some of those income streams that you guys have gotten. Uh, let's talk, uh, Kelly, about your genetics business. Yeah, the, on the genetics side of things, I would say that's a small portion of our business, um, a drop in the bucket, but it's something certainly when the opportunity arises, we're always, um, we try to market cattle and things like that. Um, and certainly in the future, we're always talking about, we would love to do something with ice cream. Again, cow people, not people people. So we have to be, uh, we always have to be looking towards the future, but um, there's definitely a lot of areas of opportunity for us to diversify our business. Um, at the moment, so yeah. I always enjoy sitting down with folks like this and hearing what they are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, you guys uh, have a milk business. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, actually, my my family was in the milk business up until the '60s, when they they uh, sold the milk business. They weren't sure my father was going to come back to the farm, and and um, ended up just continuing to milk cows. So my brother and I brought that back here in the early 2000s, and uh, we recently. About seven years ago now, we built a milk plant on the farm. We started bottling our own product. We we deliver milk door to door uh, in the in the local area, about a 30 mile radius from our farm. Uh, milk and a lot of other products, beef and all types of other uh, your of own farmers. Beef? Sorry, your own beef. Our own beef. Yes, uh, we really don't focus too hard on that. We focus a lot more on our on our dairy products. Um, and anyway, we we then later built a, an ice cream. Uh, parlor right on the farm, so it uh, we're open year-round there with the ice cream parlor, um, and we we sell milk into a lot of stores in the local area. We're starting to get closer to the metro New York area, so uh, it's been a focus. Probably one of the challenges for our location uh, is that uh, we're in a growing uh, area that people really have been moving to quite a bit. So for as well as the land grows corn and alfalfa and grass. It really likes to grow houses even more. So the, the ability for us to really expand and, and increase the number of cows is pretty challenging for us in our area. So as we kind of strategize that over time, we thought where can we maybe utilize these, uh, use these new residents and people moving to our area to our advantage. And so that's kind of why we headed back into the retail business. So it's been uh, certainly fun, uh, very challenging from time to time, uh, but it probably one of the most, uh, uh, probably the best experience out of that is being able to put your own 
name, your own brand on a label or on an ice cream cone and having people tell you this is some of the best ice cream or milk that I've ever had. So, and that's uh, that brings a lot of pride, not only again to us, but the whole team. It yeah. really helps, allows everybody to tie into that. So looking into the future, do you see that being a, a even bigger part of your business or is that? Yeah, it's been, we've kind of been growing slowly um, and we actually got to the point where we need a little more space. So we just completed an expansion and it's gonna give us the opportunity to increase our production a little bit more. So. We're working toward that, but you know it's it's a it's not an easy market to jump into. It's not a brand new product. It's a product that's been around for a while. So right. you've got to bring oops bring people into your brand. So right. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Joey, you're in the energy business. Tell us a little bit about that. So really, our our uh, putting our toe in the water of the energy business is really driven by uh, California regulating uh, our industry to have 40% of the methane mitigated by 2030. And so we have one of the newest dairy facilities in California. And so uh, when uh, that regulation action came about, one of the things that we quickly started looking at was how we mitigate that so we maintain the value of our facility and uh, you know the viability of our business. And you know, uh, just like every other farmer I know, we, we, you know, we want to do the best we can to take care of uh, our farms, the environment, clean water, clean air. And so uh, the regulation environment they created, uh, fortunately, they, they created uh, an environment that allowed us to get paid if we captured the methane. And so uh, about eight years ago, we partnered with Calgren uh, Dairy Fuels, which was a neighbor of ours who we were already buying um, the wet distiller product from them. We had a great relationship with them already. And one of the things that I was particularly looking for uh, was not changing uh, the dynamics of my farm. I didn't want a bunch of people driving in and out every day. I wanted it pretty simple. And, and so myself, along with uh, about 14 other dairymen, were all located fairly close, about 50,000 cows within a real close proximity. And also facilities that are all really new and pretty modern and and so together with Calgren uh, we basically put in an infrastructure which put a put connected every dairy to each other and then to the main plant all the technical equipment is at the Calgren they clean the gas process it and then they put it into a um, a main line and sell it to uh, customers who want to buy renewable energy and they also required, you know, companies or corporations doing business in California to have to buy a certain percentage of renewables. So that basically created a market for us to be able to sell into. And, uh, and you know, we were the first dairy to go online in California. It's been really, really a great uh, experience so far. And I guess it's one of the old adages, don't be first, don't be last. But in this particular case, being first was actually good. Um, and uh, we've had a good relationship with Calgary, and I know that it's become super popular, not just in California, but in other states now. And, and you know, it's, uh, I think it's a great way for us to, you know, we, we talk about all the time how amazing cows are, what they do. I mean, you, 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 can, you take uh, an animal that takes all these byproducts that we feed uh, and uh, converts it into, in my opinion, the greatest food source on the planet. And now, not only does she do that, she creates fertilizer, she creates energy. I mean, it's it's 
kind of amazing. And so uh, it's great thing to add to the story, a great story that we already have. Yeah. Do you see yourself uh, selling carbon credits sometime in the future? Yeah, I, I think we will. You okay. know, and I'll tell you, I think you know, agriculture in general is one of the only. I think it is the only industry on the planet that can be carbon negative. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. And and we can be carbon negative and still feed everybody on the planet. Think about that. Yeah. Well, I think that's uh, that's a point we've got to get out there among our consumers. And we will circle back and talk about the consumers in a moment. But one thing I kind of wanted to ch uh, kind of check in on is is technology, right? Technology is changing rapidly in the dairy industry, whether it's robotic milkers, whether it's wearables for tracking what the animals are doing, whether they're ruminating, eating, laying down, all those kinds of things. So I'm kind of curious if you guys have embraced technologies and where you see it going in the future. Yeah, we um, have the SCR system, the wearable collars on our farm. I think there's an opportunity for us to embrace technology a little bit more, but certainly that was a big first step for us. And um, as we talk about efficiencies and cutting that time in half where um, an employee has to do work, we basically cut a herdsperson position and my sister-in-law is able to do all of those herd metrics um, by herself and look at all that information and that's been really helpful on our farm. Um, Right now, I don't know. We're not really looking at a lot more technology, a lot more technology to um, use, but certainly nothing's ever off the table. Mm -hmm. Very similar for us. We've got a we've got a cow monitoring, rumination, and heat detection program that we use. Uh, we're looking at updating that uh, with some new technology soon, and and a few other small things. But a lot of our technology decisions are uh, with the changing landscape. It's changing so quickly in New York. We're really going to be looking to push labor efficiency items as much as we possibly can. Um, even in some of our cropping systems, uh, uh, we're unfortunately at a, in a spot where we have to rent a lot of land. So it sometimes makes it challenging to invest a lot, but wherever we can, even making fields larger and, and tiling and some of those things, it's gonna make that crop production more efficient and uh, probably bring use less labor hours as well. We've been working on some of those things as well. So. Um, while we haven't invested heavily, I could see the, op the the chance that we do here down the road. And would that those... mean like robotics? You're talking about uh, personnel before and challenges with getting enough people. Do you see yourselves moving into robotic milkers anytime you know, soon? It, perhaps. I'm I'm not, I'm I haven't been totally convinced by robotics yet. Uh, but we're in a spot where we are using a very old milking parlor. We've we've uh, aimed our investment dollars in our milk processing and so forth. So. Our parlor is quite antiquated, so sometime in the near future, we'll be making some big decisions there. Yeah, I was on uh, my first relatively large uh, robot dairy, I think 800 cows, and was really amazed at how quiet it was. And just, I mean, the cows just seemed uh, like they were doing very well. So when it comes to animal welfare, maybe there's a, a play there as well sometime in the future. It was, it was, it was striking. Um, want to talk a little bit about the consumer, right? They're the ones that pays us. And they've got some ideas and concerns about how we dairy uh, relative to animal welfare, sustainability. Uh, they're starting to favor some milk alternatives. And so let's have a conversation about that. Um, Kelly, we're going to start with you. You were honorable mention uh, in, I've got it written down here somewhere. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yes. Um, 
through American Dairy, they have a animal care award and we were honorable mention a few years ago, so that was exciting. I think the biggest thing is on our farm, on a lot of dairy farms, we're already doing so much um, for animal care and um, for sustainability and the problem is we're not communicating that and that's something we try to we have a social media page we try to connect with our consumers it's been really great to um, put a face to a local farm for them we ship to a cooperative a regional cooperative in western new york and um, for people to be able to connect that brand, the Upstate Farms brand, to our farm um, when they're driving by or on our social pages, I think is has been really beneficial. And but the biggest thing is communication. And I always say, as farmers, that's that's something we don't take enough time to do um, is communicate that we're already doing all these things to take care of our cattle and our land and have a sustainable business and it's really just it comes down to better communication on our part yeah do you bring any locals to your dairy ever yeah we um welcome tours we welcome you know questions on our social pages and things like that so that we can be sharing a positive message and um we we really enjoy tours we did a virtual farm tour last spring i think we reached um tens of thousands of school-aged children and hopefully if if just 10 of those kids go home and tell their parents about the benefits of milk and what we're doing on our farm I think that's a win for dairy yeah Jeff what are you guys doing when it comes to animal welfare you know I think uh, I really believe we we do a great job with animal welfare on our farm but like Kelly said we can we can do a spectacular job but if we don't tell people and we don't explain it and show them it really doesn't matter um, it's amazing to me we have the opportunity to really speak to a lot of consumers that visit our place um, and it's amazing to me just the misinformation that or the assumptions that people make um, and even even people that you would think would have enough of back a background that they would understand what we do on the farm they really don't and so uh, it's really surprising when I can spend 15 minutes just chatting with somebody and it, it, having a give and take and answering their questions. There's so many misconceptions uh, that it, it really is. Kelly's perfectly correct. We just need to do a better job of communicating, spending more time. And, and we really, you know, when we're trying to talk with our neighbors who are, are now our customers coming to have ice cream, uh, we don't do enough time myself. I, I get too busy on the farm where I'd, it'd be good if I was spending more time with the customers. But um, the more that we can explain that, the more we can bring that message into a bite-sized little piece, because as much as I want to spend 15 minutes with someone to explain all those things, they don't really probably want to spend 15 minutes listening to that message. So it's always a challenge trying to get make that point and do it in a quick and concise way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very good point. Yep. Joe, anything to add to that? Yeah, I would just add that I think uh, I agree with both. Um, we we need to get our message out more, tell our story. Uh, one thing our industry figured out many years ago was to be successful uh, and and uh, create a, a a business that uh, protected the environment, kept our footprint small. You had to take care of your cows, 
And so you look at the, uh, the, uh, the, the hours and countless uh, dollars that have been spent on cow care in this country, and I'm gonna plug it right back to what we're, where we're sitting at today, because you can learn a lot when you bring your cows to a show and take care of them on an individual basis, you can take that home and apply it. And the people that we bring to these shows with us and then they go back home, they are the best helpers. And I'll tell you, um, when you're at home taking care of your cows and getting them ready for a show, that rubs off on every last employee on your farm. They see the, the, the love and the care that you have for your animals and that just spreads to them. And, you know, we, you know, we raise our own calves and and we talked a little bit about genetics earlier and, and I, I always think the most important technology on all of our farms and it's what connects us together sitting right here is having really good cows and people that are uh, cow people that we've talked about that got interested in breeding good cows, you know, our grandfathers, they figured out that that was the best form of technology you could have to grow your business was to always have the best cow. And uh, we're all competing against each other in some respects, but, uh, you know, and that's what really protects the environment too, because you look at what the technology that's built inside these cows now, and, and they just, they're, you know, what is it? We produce the same amount of milk with 66% less cows than they did 50 years ago. And I mean, I don't know that there's any other industry that can really say that. So yeah, it's, Joe, I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll point out when we talk about technology, when, I, when, when I'm able to talk to people about what we do on our farm, one of those things is genetics. And some of them are flabbergasted to hear that we can actually select genetics where the cows are more efficient and maybe they're more disease resistant. They're going to take less antibiotic treatment or they might live longer. And therefore, we, we need to feed less animals because they, they have better longevity. And that's a great point. It's, uh, and that's a huge... Uh, a huge component of what we do in, yeah. in technology. Yeah. yeah, we think about technology as computers yeah. on our farm, but the choices that the genetic choices we make every day—that's a huge, a huge gain for the industry and how we use technology on the farm. And we're all using computerized feed programs. We're measuring what the cow eats. We're measuring what we put in the wagon every day. We're measuring how much milk she gives. You know, it's become, I, I, I'll tell you, I always tell this quick story. We had, uh, we had a bunch of people from the FDA come out to California about six years ago, all people that worked in Washington, D.C. and different uh, areas. And, um, and the reason why they brought them out was because they wanted to have people have a visual of what our farms look like. If they ever had a foodborne illness, they could relate it to where the milk comes from, where tomatoes come from, where uh, cantaloupes, whatever's grown. And we had two, lady, two uh, ladies that were at our farm for a whole weekend. And when they left, they said, we had no idea the technology that exists on your farm. They just, they thought, you know, the little red barn and, you know, and uh, we've, we've evolved a long way. And, you know, I think it goes back to what we said earlier. You know, we have to keep telling our story because um, it's a great story. And a cow's a great asset to this planet. But, you know, we're all kind of guilty sometimes of, we tend to, if it's really positive, we don't listen long enough. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, you're right. We need to tell this story. We've been saying this for years, Joey. <laughs>
I've been in this business a long time and, you know, I think it falls on all of our shoulders, whether we're dairy farmers, whether we're in industry. And I think somebody just needs to take the bull by the horns and get everybody together. And, and we got a great story to tell. We just need to tell it. You know, what's funny though. And I think, uh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to put a little bit of it back on our education system because, uh, you know, we're all in the registered Holstein business. I've had a little chance to judge around the world, different countries. And I was in South Korea a few years ago, and um, we were at a cultural center, and I had these, um, my wife and I were walking, and these, these first and second graders kept coming up to us and thanking us and thanking us. And finally I asked our guide, I said, I know they, they know we're from, probably from the United States or another country, of course, but why are they thanking us? And uh, the guide said, well, for, for one thing, he said, the first thing here in, in uh, first grade, they teach them how we got our freedom. And the United States was one of the countries, you know, we were instrumental in them being a free country. He said the second thing is we rely on other countries for 70% of our food. And we get a lot of it from you guys. And they get things that they love from you guys. And, uh, you know, I, I just about had tears in my eyes because, you know, you feel we, we, we kind of were blessed in this country to have uh, extra food and the shelves are always full. And so when we can have the ability to feed people, kids in other countries, and that makes me feel good about what I do. And I know these, these guys feel the same. Yeah, so. no, that's a great story, Joey. That's a great story. You guys have anything? Can you top that? <laughs> no, we did a great job. <laughs> so I want to circle back on something Kelly said. You know, we were talking about technology and you mentioned genetics. And so one of the hot things now is genomics. And that's really changing our commercial herds. Are you also using that with your genetics as well? And how are you using that? And what kind of impact is it having on your genetics businesses? Take it away, Jeff. <laughs> that's Jeff's department. Yeah. <laughs> We, uh, we, we've invested in genomics heavily, and uh, we've got a pretty active uh, embryo program. We do a lot of embryo transfer. All of our calves that are born on the farm are genomic tested, really with our goal of selecting, finding the very best, not only females, but males too. We'll sell bulls to AI service, and uh, the females can maybe be for sale or go back into our donor program. Um, over the years, it's evolved, and we... Uh, I'm, I'm pretty amazed at some of the progress we've been able to make. And uh, we sell a lot of milking females as well, and that's kind of turned into a pretty good repeat business for us. And um, people have been very, very happy with how they've performed in their herds. <clears throat> but I think the uniformity and the, the, uh, the, the progress that we've made when I look at our young cattle, it's really, really impressive. And we're we're real happy with that progress we've made. More recently, uh, we've started to use a little more beef semen and uh, trying to reduce the number of females that we're producing. And uh, I really think that that's, it's changing the industry as we speak. I even think that that's gonna get bigger uh, as we're able to build those systems that contract those cattle. And uh, we, we find the best genetics that work well on dairy cows and then when they go into the feed yards that they perform well and they can track those genetics right from calf to, to slaughter right to the person's plate. I think that's going to be an important piece. But So anyway, genomics uh, plays a b real big part in what we do and, and uh, we uh, feel like we've benefited quite a bit from it. Yeah. I was want to talk a little bit about the future of the dairy industry, right? 
uh, and, and I and mean globally. What, what's uh, the U.S. role going to play globally? Um, what's herds going to look like? How big are they going to be? Where are they going to be located? Do you guys give me any thought to that? I'll jump out here. Uh, I think the U.S., um, especially the dairy industry, is, you know, we have the best genetics in the world. And we've been leaders in that area. And I think we, even though we're going to be the most regulated probably, well, I don't know, Europe's fairly heavily regulated, but I, I feel like our country uh, has really been built on efficiency. And, you know, regulations aren't always bad. They force us to to do things different sometimes in, in a positive way. And uh, I feel like we're, we are going to still continue to be leaders on uh, growing food and probably the one country that other countries can count on year in and year out to have uh, an adequate food supply that we can share some when we have plenty. Um, but having said that, it won't go without us people being futuristic and, you know, continuing to explore the newest, best technology that there is out there. So. Yeah, I think, you know, the global demand for dairy is real. And um, I think it's easy sometimes as farmers to get down. Uh, we talked about alternative beverages, um, things like that. Those challenges, I think, can sometimes cloud the bigger picture of there is a demand for dairy, there's a demand for high quality proteins, and we're able to provide that and we're able to provide it to people um, cheap. And I think that when we're making those decisions for the future of our business, that's the thing we always have to remember is um, our our population isn't getting smaller in the near future and someone everyone has to eat so um i think that's always that always needs to be in the back of our mind when we're um, making decisions and making decisions about growth especially sometimes you get a little hesitant or a little down about the industry but um i think that's the big picture and that's why we're all here and all of this technology is here as well yeah for sure and i i would um I would add to that that I think that uh, there's going to be an increased demand for people to be able to know the, where that food came from. And we see it a little bit because we're able to connect directly with those customers in our retail business. But I think that the U.S. is poised to do that better probably than any other country. Uh, as we talk about all of these systems and things that we do every day on our farm, we can track everything that we do. We can track those animals right from birth to the point of being production animals to the point of them entering, uh, you know, alternative uses. Uh, we have tremendous capability to track that to, to provide great food security, food safety, along with providing an exceptional product. So um, we can't be afraid to remind consumers about that. We can't be afraid. Consumers are willing to paid a little extra to know that it's exceptional quality and that know that it was produced responsibly in the right way and everything. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for us there. The, the face of the dairy industry will continue to change. There's no doubt about it. And I wish I had a crystal ball <laughs> to, to say this is exactly what's going to happen. Likely the herd sizes will continue to, to grow. Likely certain areas of the country are going to grow and some are going to decline. Uh, depending on the economics of, of where they're producing milk. But um, 
I do think I still think there's a real positive future for our product. Yeah, so well said, Jeff. And, and so you may not have a, a crystal ball to know what's going to happen with the uh, uh, the global dairy industry, but while we're talking about the future, what do you see for King's Ransom uh, Farms? You know, 10, 15 years down the road, what's it look like? Well, uh, hopefully we're still in business. That that'd be a good positive right there. But uh, you know, I think. It's probably more of the same. I, we've got some family members, young, the next generation, who would be the fifth generation. They're they're interested in the business, and and we have different ones interested in different aspects. So that's that's really great. Um, I think that uh, very possibly we could see more cows on the farm. Uh, hopefully, we're selling a little more ice cream than we are today, um, and. You know, we really are passionate about our genetic program and, and uh, hopefully we continue to breed cattle that make a difference in the breed and and uh, that can hopefully not only make a difference in our herd, but in other herds as well. That's yeah. kind of our goal in the genetics business. Cool. Kelly, what about uh, Rhinecrest? Yeah, I think um, we, we talk about the multi-generation um, farm and there's three of us and we all have families and I think that our farm is poised to grow. I don't know if the growth that we need to, that needs to happen can all happen right where we are right now, but um, whether growth looks like um, another facility or um, selling carbon credits, like you said, I think nothing's off the table, and um, as the industry changes, I think the biggest thing is we have to be ready to change with it, and um, we are. We're excited about the future of the dairy industry and of our farm, so I think as long as there's that passion and excitement, um, you know, our future will always be in dairy, and like Jeff said, we don't have crystal ball, so what that looks like, who knows, but... Um, yeah, we're excited. Very well. And Joey, same question for you. So, you know, the number one reason why farms stop is because there's nobody interested in keeping it going. And so I would say, first of all, uh, you know, the family members that are there that are on the farm, my son, his kids, which will be sixth generation, uh, you know, they have, to, they have to have the passion. And, uh, you know, my son, my son does. His, his kids, I'm not sure, you know, they're too young, but I'm, I'm kind of one to, you should do in life what you have a passion for and not hold somebody to do something just because, you know, it's been there for a hundred years, you know, but hopefully, uh, I think if they develop that passion, that'll be the, the number one thing that keeps it going. Uh, I would say, you know, we haven't talked about it all, but the, the number two thing for me right now would be, um, my state, the state of California, getting their act together on the water deal. Uh, you know, we everybody wants to talk climate change. And you know what? I do believe that um, we have these cycles in, in our climate over time. Uh, none of us have been on this planet very long to really know what that cycle is. Uh, but they do change. We know that. And uh, so, you know, I feel like uh, the farmers and the, we're doing our part to be sustainable, to use less water. But we have to have cooperation from, uh, you know, the state to, to recognize that uh, we need, you know, our state's water infrastructure was built for 16 million people. We have 40 million people living right there. And my, my new theme is 
our water problem in California is a 40 million person problem, not the farmers in the San Joaquin Valley's problem. It's uh, it's not climate change. It could be a little bit of you know different a drought, of course, but you know, you know, it, whatever state you're in, you have to work together to deal with your problems and fix them because there's some basic things in life that are important, and clean air, clean water, those are two of the most important ones, and food. But we can take care of the food if they give us a few of the other things. We're pretty good at doing doing the latter. So, so you, you kind of touched on it, but what do you see the future of the dairy industry in California, right? I mean, there's only so much water out there. Something's going to have to get. There is, you know, um, I'll tell you, that. well, I don't see the dairy industry growing out there, of course. Um, I will say this. We, we have probably the best weather in the United States day in and day out. And so that works to our advantage. And, and so, you know, we have the water situation going on right now. But, you know, I'm pretty confident at some point we're going to figure that out. But you're not going to see more growth on new dairies in California. But what you will see, and our industry's experiences for 50 years, is people getting better at what they do, taking better care of what they, their cows, and creating better cows that are healthier and give more milk. And that's been going on for a long time. And I don't think that's going to stop. So uh, I see our industry kind of flatlining out there, uh, but uh, becoming more and more efficient. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Well said. So, folks, today's FFA Day here at the uh, World Dairy Expo. And so with that in mind, what, what advice would you give to the next generation of dairy farmers? Um, we, we know they've got passion, right? We've heard that today. So I think passion is synonymous with the dairy. Tonight's PubCast stories are brought to you by the Keesher line of chelated minerals. Keesher and Keesher Plus deliver proven and consistent bioavailability to maximize performance and a no-frills pricing approach for greater profitability. Visit Balchem.com to learn more. I think my advice, uh, and I try to re repeat this to my kids pretty regular, uh, don't ever stop learning. And uh, I, I even look back to my days in FFA. My kids were fortunate enough to participate in FFA, and it was great experience. And uh, the more that you can open your horizons and learn at every single turn and try to watch someone who's successful and maybe analyze what made that person successful. How did they accomplish what they were doing? And uh, maybe learn a, wherever you can. I think that's the key uh, to setting yourself up for success in the future. Don't ever say, I'm, I've got it all figured out and I know how I'm going to get it done. Because yeah. usually you don't. Yeah, great advice, Jeff. <laughs> Kelly, you are a young person, but uh, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I think um, just echoing Jeff's comments, but also being adaptable. I grew up with 40 cows, um, and now I live on a farm. We milk 1,400 cows. Being adaptable, never stop learning. And um, my husband, he's had the good fortune. He's worked for Joey before. Um, I've worked for some incredible people. Um, go to different operations, work for other people, and um, yeah, of course, never stop learning. Um, I know zero about equipment. The whole drive out here from New York to Wisconsin, I was quizzing my husband about chopping corn and the semis and the chopper and all that stuff because, um, you know, you're never, you're never too 
old or young to learn something new and um, so yeah that's that's my advice be adaptable and and never stop learning yeah. great advice joy final words I would say I just add to what they just said uh, have a dream find a great person to share it with like Tyler did <laughs> and don't be afraid to live your dream and it's scary sometimes I remember uh, I built a new dairy and well my, my you know, my mom and dad and my wife and I, we built a new farm in 2006 and we spent $10 million. And, you know, to be honest, my mom and dad were at a point in their lives where they didn't really need to do that. And, and, uh, but they seen my passion for my dream. And, uh, so I think you, you, you can't be afraid to keep moving forward because the minute you stop, you start going backwards. And so just, yeah, live your dream. I would like to say one thing too, interestingly enough, we're all connected right here. Uh, we're, you know, she said, Tyler uh, intern, or they didn't intern, but he came to my farm for a couple of years and helped me. These guys bought a, one of our embryo, uh, embryo we sold last year, and we just actually met in person the other night so just uh, that's right yeah at it's a small it's a small world yeah at right that's right at yeah our, that's right booth, so that's right display. there's a little fate going on right here so anyway thanks oh, that, that's awesome no this listen this has been great i have really enjoyed the conversation you guys have been awesome uh just just great guests and i'm going to enjoy uh, listening back to this so i want to thank you all for joining us also want to thank our loyal listeners for joining us once again Hope you learned something, hope you had some fun, and hope to see you next time here at the Real Science Exchange where it's always happy hour and you're always among friends. We'd love to hear your comments or ideas for topics and guests, so please reach out via email to anh.marketing at balchem.com with any suggestions, and we'll work hard to add them to the schedule. Don't forget to leave a five-star rating on your way out. You can request your Real Science Exchange t-shirt in just a few easy steps. Just like or subscribe to the Real Science Exchange and send us a screenshot along with your address and t-shirt size to anh.marketing at balchem.com. Balchem's Real Science Lecture Series of webinars continues with ruminant-focused topics on the first Tuesday of every month, monogastric-focused topics on the second Tuesday of each month, and quarterly topics for the companion animal segment. Visit balchem.com slash realscience to see the latest schedule and to register for upcoming webinars.